see uh, Sean Connery died? No. I guess it just happened last night. Wow. My uh, second favorite Bond. Oh, who do you like better, that Daniel Craig guy? No, no, Roger Moore is the guy that I just, I think was just he because, the first one? No, he was the one in like the 80s and 90s. So he's the one that when I first kind of started watching movies on my own, he was the yeah. bomb. He was like, you do a killer. <laughs> like the movies, like the movies weren't the greatest, but he was they just- really were, They really were just comic books. Because the, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Pussy Galore and all the villain, the, you know, the beautiful villains and the evil, evil, evil bad guys, you know, it was, um, yeah, it was like Batman the, put to human, you know. Yeah, like Gold, Goldfinger, like those are the coolest <laughs> things. Yeah, right. But, uh, uh, yeah, but uh, I, I don't... I, I don't identify with the newer ones because I just haven't seen any oh, hey, movies in like 10 years. Um, you know what? Uh, Matt told us he's not going to be here. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah, I already forgot that. So welcome to the Baker uh, Sports Plus show with Big D, Baker, and Joe. No Baker today. But uh, for Joe and I, this is going to be like... Um, what is it? How did Yogi Berra say it? Deja vu all over again? Yeah. <laughs> is yeah, that what he said? Yeah, it's been almost, I guess, seven or eight years since you and I had our own right. show together. So we, but, we, yeah. Right. We were on um, the sports show a lot, and then um, we also did some broadcasting. You did more uh, actual basketball broadcasting than I did. I got to do some football bro- broadcasting at um, when they played at the empty uh, Patriots uh, Stadium. <laughs> Which is now, <laughs> ironically, has about yeah. as many fans in it now as it did when UMass was playing there. But, yeah, right. yeah, those, those, that, that was a lot of fun. I mean, we did – we did a lot of games at at Gillette Stadium. We did we, we went to Michigan and did a football game at Michigan, which was it's you know, it's a, it's an Amazing, experience. Yeah. Just being just being in a stadium with one hundred and two thousand people is an experience. Right. But that was uh you know and it was that funny. That was pre COVID though too. Because oh man, but now when, now there's thirteen thousand in, in stadiums. The ones that can eat, actually be open. I don't think that Patriots can have any home fans yet. I I wouldn't expect. You know, I, I sort of, I'd much rather see a game with ten thousand fans scattered around the 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 stadium than an empty stadium. But I don't know, I I it, so far these things haven't been super spreaders that we know of. Right, fingers crossed that it remains that way because it really is. It really is different, even when you're watching on TV. The fake noise, and I—I I mean, I railed against the fake. Well, but the, but the but the football game, the one I was watching yesterday, I don't remember even what what it was. The crowd noise sounded appropriate. Is it just is it mic'd up? Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah. And what's kind of bugging me, and there's always going to be something that bugs me. But what's <laughs> bugging me is they, I guess, to to amplify the the you know sparse crowds, they've got the the crowd mics turned up so high that, that there's okay. there's like a there, you can hear there's like a static hum even when there's no you know just little bits of cheering behind okay. it you can sort of yeah. hear there's like white noise almost that that has just got to be those those crowd mics turn way too high to to make thirteen thousand people sound like 80 sound like, yeah you're right they yeah. do it does it does sound a lot louder than thirteen thousand people sound in the stadium and again i i don't know why why the networks feel like they have to mess with it they're just just well let, they want it to be like it always was you know well, they want to it's, I, a, it's I, almost see, nostalgia right but, but i'm fascinated by the difference and like this is a, a a cool unique time it was cool to watch those nba games in that 
in in what looked like a high school gym you know I, you know what i i really liked the way they did it with the um, virtual fans and <sighs> then with the i did i did i liked that and the, uh, there was just something about the the background in those games i thought it worked Oh, it was weird. It was, it weird. was weird. The heads Absolutely. were too big. Right, right, right. It was, right. I don't know, but I guess that's, you know, we're all, well, obviously, as you and I are doing right now, we're all doing everything through Zoom. So it's yeah. uh, probably the yeah. way things are going. And I wouldn't expect this year, you know, the, and there we could talk about the NBA offseason too, the, the quick turnaround that they're looking at. Right, I'm, they're looking to open in December. And yeah, and I think yeah, December twenty second, I think. Right, they, right. They always have those traditional Christmas games that draw pretty good. Yeah, and you know it's it makes sense. It's it's logical and also helps get them on track for two thousand twenty two because you don't want to you know you don't want to keep having to to make these adjustments year after year after year. So I think right that that makes sense too to try and get all the sports back on somewhat of a regular start and end time. And but the the interesting thing is whether or not you know obviously by the time they start in December, arenas are not going to be open to full crowds. But in different parts of the country, no, as they no. cover next on spring, one second, forty-two states are going up. Forty-two, yeah, yeah. Are, are have rising number of COVID cases. Forty-two. This is like the third wave, and it's it's starting at a huge level. I think we hit. 100,000 cases yesterday or something. Yeah. It's just, to it, yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, December, there won't be people. Uh, I mean, hopefully in December, the curve will be going down and hopefully for the last time and maybe go down to low, low levels like it, like we hope it sh will eventually. But my God, this is frightening COVID time. Frightening. Well, and, you know, we've gotten all sorts of conflicting and changing information about whether the climate affected or whether you can get it twice, but, but the, the, the fact is it's about to be flu season, which means everyone's going to be susceptible, whether you're getting the flu or COVID people get sick in the winter time and we're about to hit really cold weather in a lot of places. And it's going to be, well, everyone okay, expected it, was... it to, to turn to, to get worse in the winter. I think we all, when all this started in March, I think we all anticipated that, it would be gone by now. And nobody, even... nobody saw, saw that it would last this long. Um, but temperature-wise, today was 19 degrees when I woke up. Oh, it's, it's up to 22. Remember those days? <laughs> fortunately, <laughs> hey, listen. fortunately, they are in my past, and hopefully, no, 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 no. I love Massachusetts. I love New England uh, because you know what time of year it is. You go to Florida, you don't know what time of year. It could be December. It could be June. You know. Portland, you what do you go by the rainy season? By the rain, yeah, the sure. It's, rain, it's it's starting to rain, so it's November. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The rain, rain just put the fire, the fire season. Fire season's ending right about now, right when the rainy season starts. Although okay. California is still having a lot of trouble, Southern California in particular. It's this is this is nuts. How how much are you seeing anything in the sky? No, it's it's no. been kind of rainy here a little bit yeah. the last week or two, so it's the air quality here has been fine. But uh, it's been, I mean, it's like I said, worse and worse every year, and California is getting the worst of it right now. Yeah, so uh, Massachusetts, we're st still having nice weather, but this was really cold. 
uh, last night. And, you know, and it's a, and this is today's Halloween, Joe. Today's oh, Halloween. Yeah. yeah. Happy um, Halloween. And I, it's funny that <laughs> I, it sort of, that sort of got me thinking about, you know, but it's kind of, I don't want to spend the whole hour on COVID, but I'm really curious to see if we are, Americans are very much habitual creatures and we're very much ritualistic creatures and we love our, holiday gatherings and yeah oh my god so you're talking thanksgiving i'm talking thanksgiving and into Uh, you know the winter holidays into christmas and hanukkah and you know i think for me the number one um uh, holiday is always a thanksgiving and i probably will end up going up to my brother-in-law's in in vermont probably i gotta get cleared by the uh, smart people in my family (laughs) how many do it how big will that gathering be it will be um uh my brother-in-law and maybe three other of his brother's sisters nieces type of thing i think it'll be relatively small and they've all been pretty careful so i think there's a chance i may do it but but yeah i think that um well i mean to me thanksgiving's always the best holiday because it's not really commercial like christmas and like a lot of other things um and it really is the time to get together and argue about politics. <laughs> it's awesome fun. I love it. Of course, I can't say that my family ever enjoyed my constant bringing up, um, uh, you know, like, oh, my God, I used to go to New Hampshire, uh, where my uh, wife's parents uh, lived. And uh, this was when New Hampshire and I think it was Arizona were the only two states that hadn't approved Martin Luther King Day. Oh, wow. And, and I used to get these arguments about how he was a whoremonger, you know, and it's <laughs> like, I go, okay, yeah, and I like Jeff, John Kennedy, and he probably had a few problems too, you know. I mean, it's, it looks like when men get to power, they screw around, unfortunately. They lose their virtues if they ever had any. But uh, so that was always a big argument about... Um, you know, Martin Luther King Day. New Hampshire finally uh, approved it. Yeah, I think Arizona was last. Yeah, I think that's funny. You you argued about politics. We argued about football. My dad and his brother coached at rival high schools when you know when i was growing when i was born through elementary school they coached at rival high schools and they played each other thanksgiving morning at 10 o'clock <laughs> 30 in the morning and then it was oh, so this was afterwards so one of them was happy one of them was miserable oh they were all both miserable most of the time but it was <laughs> it was so much like that's what i grew up with you know literally from the time i was born and then in, interesting when I so was wait a minute, were they would they argue about the other uh, relative made a bad decision on the football coaching or, you know, I'll, or the, I'll, the refs took the game away from them. I'll, or? I'll, I was so young. I don't really remember the specifics of the conversations, yeah, but I'll, yeah. I'll ask my dad this week and, and I'll, I'll get, I'll get some reporting on that for next week. But okay. when I was, when I was five, they played each other Thanksgiving day. And then again, a week and a half later for the state championship. And it was a wow. big, big now is this it was this New Jersey? New Jersey, yeah. What, by, so this must have been pretty big time football. 
right? I mean, yeah. it's a I, Jersey's got a lot of lot of athletes, a lot of schools, a lot of sports. Yeah, I mean, high school sports are big in New Jersey, and football was king in the seventies. Um, you know, me, medium time, I think my they were in the the biggest division, you know, the, the biggest yeah. grouping in the state. Yeah. My dad coached at Edison, and my uncle was at Woodbridge, and I actually played for my uncle for three years. And then Wait, uh, was that a positive? Uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, you know, he was. Yeah, yeah, you listeners can't see Joe's expression just gave away. Well, not totally. <laughs> well, okay. Let me say this about my uncle. He was, he was, a, he was a great coach. He, I, I didn't. There was no, there was no weirdness about the fact that he, he coached all of my cousins. I was the last one of the this chain of of eight or ten guys boys to play for for my uncle. Um, he actually got fired my senior year, and that was a little awkward kind of dealing with the new this new coach who came in for right. rounds over but um let me i will just say this my uncle and i got along best on the football field he and i <laughs> uh, there i there that i i i don't want to burden the airwaves with the stories of, of all this of my family history uh, but but yeah. let's just say that we got along great on the football field he was it was it was a positive experience. My I don't know whether my friends were trying to suck up or just were afraid of both of us, but I never got any any crap from my friends about yeah. it. So yeah, so to go back to Thanksgiving, it's going to be a strange Thanksgiving, um, and you know, so we'll see. I guess you know probably a lot of families will get together. I mean, it might not be that out of the ordinary or. I, I would just, you know, I hate to see all these, you know, we, we would have 30, you know, 30, 40 people at Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, we were using like 15. Yeah, I, I can't. And as an adult, I, I've, most of the time, most of my adult life, I've lived across the country for my family. And so it's not been practical for me to go back there for Thanksgiving. So most of the time I end up in some sort of like orphan Friendsgiving you know, event where there's six or eight people who, for various reasons, don't have right. a, another plan. And, you know, we get together and, and I've had some really, really legendarily fun Thanksgivings that way. But I am, I'm the, obviously there's not even an inkling of trying to make such a plan this year, but right, right. for people that, that are attached to this tradition, you know, I'm sure my cousin is going to have the big 25 person dinner in New Jersey, you know, and that's, I, I, I can't tell people, right? You tell people it's dumb, but you know, I, I would hope more people do what you're doing and, you know, okay, we'll, we'll just be, it'll just be us and aunt Susie and the right. six of us will get together. You know, I think I, I would hope that those are, but I, I have no faith that Americans are not going to be stupid about Thanksgiving and Christmas. And, even, well, you know, it's just a, it's a crazy time we live in. Um, you know, the fact that masks are political, it's just nuts. No, they are they are a, a health issue. That's it, period. Health issue. Um, it's not, there's nothing political. It's not, you're not losing your freedom by putting a mask on. Well, and there's this whole other side of it now that is just will not trust anything that, that any representative of the government says except for Donald Trump, but they don't which trust. Is, which is really negative thing really yeah, negative absolutely and you know it's funny you know I, I was again in elementary school when all this was happening but this started in the early 70s with nixon and it seemed like up until then 
you know, and maybe we're we're better for being more cynical about certain things, but I think it's. I, don't know. I think now it's devolved. We, we've definitely passed the tipping point on that, where there's a a large enough subsection of of our country who is again has some dangerous thoughts around well, these things. And it's interesting you bring that up because you know in the '60s um, that question authority issue came up, but I always took it as you know, just don't believe everything you read, everything you hear, you know, check it out. It's not like, I always took question authority as you need to be an informed consumer, you know, not that every authority figure was an idiot and what lied to you, uh, you know, maybe it's my naivety, but I, I took question authority as, um, you know, sometimes you get lied to, you got to pay attention to what the source is and that type of thing. And you don't have to go along with, you know, only men can make decisions, that kind of uh, thing. But today, if the, our questioning of authority, uh, and led by Trump, is is going too far. You have to believe in the weather person. You have to believe <laughs> in, in the crossing guard. You know, you have to believe in the uh in in the mayor you have to believe in these people are they human beings that make mistakes and often you know obfuscate if i use that word right um mm -hmm. yes they are but yeah i find that this questioning of fauci is just nuts uh, yeah. nuts nuts you know uh, no you don't question that you can't the disease that's striking us could be much less of a factor in American society if we took a smart approach to it. Yeah, and we've had, it's funny, we seem to have the knowledge that we needed way back in March and April. And if people had just I'd been, say January, February. Yeah, I mean, you're yeah. right. If people had just yeah. been wearing their masks. And, you know, I'm, I'm not, looking, looking around the world, I'm not going to say that we would be completely clear of it because there are plenty of countries that seem to have defeated it that are now seeing a surge Although there are still others that, you know, New Zealand is, has had a handful of cases since they got down right. to and zero, then, but Taiwan. But, you know, a lot of times those are societies that are either like isolated like New Zealand or that are kind of tightly controlled and that people behave. You know, um, a lot of Asian countries wear masks a lot. And so they had no issue of wearing masks right away. Right, um, right. And I don't know why, why we can't be isolated, especially now, like I said, with the holidays coming up, people are, are going to tend to gather in ways that they've been resisting. And I mean, it's been, what, eight, seven, eight months now that we've been been through this. I think, you know, people are rightfully weary of the adjustments, but if we want to get rid of it, you know, obviously there's not going to be a vaccine publicly available until for months still, probably next year sometime. Um, I, you know, I don't think, I don't think we can afford to treat the holidays like we usually do. And it's, the you know, your point about a weary is, it's definitely true, but it's sort of like, okay, so I'm weary about being overweight. Well, I can't like change that in one night. You know, I mean, it's like, you need to take, you know, a, a slow, careful procedure, you know, of eating wisely and, and, uh, hopefully exercising and, you know, all that stuff. Um, and it's the same with COVID. You know, we just need to. Do you think we'll be have a major lockdown in in our near future? You know, I don't. I don't. I, think it feels like it ha almost has to. 
I don't, you know, I don't think people will so much stand for it. I think a lot's going to have to do with who wins on Tuesday, which Tuesday, yeah, <laughs> or well, no one's going to win on Tuesday, right? Uh, right. I, probably. This this going to be, be it could election be week. It could yeah, be weeks, yeah. but the problem now is if if it does drag on past a few days, I feel like at that point it's going to if it goes to the Supreme Court, we're we're stuck with Trump for four more years, and right? I want case, the election. In which case, I am packing my car and heading for Mexico, like on Wednesday Mexico. morning. Yeah, uh, I, I'm going to South Africa myself. But yeah, um, yeah, we talked yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah. but the um, yeah, I, you know, but still, it's sort of like if you have a headache, you have to like turn the volume down on the on the music you're listening to. I mean, we just have to we have to do what we have to do. And is it? unpleasant and are we tired and weary of it yes absolutely but my god to have to look at the cases and just to see how you know massachusetts which is doing pretty good has uh, over a hundred communities that are now listed as um you know trouble spots for covid wow over a hundred well yeah. you know americans used to be better at suffering i think and you know historically <laughs> well, i think Yes, and I hate to be the the cranky old man, but I I feel like we've kind of gone a little soft in that respect, where we couldn't suck it up for four or five months and and knock this thing down to a reasonable level. Instead, we've been you know at this plateau since July, and it, it's not it's not again it's not going to get any better in the winter. And I think we're, I yeah I think you're right. We're in for some more serious trouble before we come out of this. And right. It just, yeah, it remains to be seen how much we're willing and able to adjust. And like I said, I don't think the holidays are going to, you know, be a, a bellwether of encouraging <laughs> signs in that respect. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. The, um, uh, you know, one thing I do want to mention in um, sports is this, uh, this death of Travis Roy, 45 years old. So his, he was a BU hockey player and BU is, you know, a, a top hockey program. So I had no idea how good he was, but he had to be good enough to, to you know, that that's um, a pretty high level to be, to have a scholarship to BU. And they, they an were off- national champs. I don't know if he played on those teams, but he, they won a well, national his, championship. His career was 11 seconds. Um, 11 seconds into his first game, he took an mm-hmm. awkward fall and, was a paraplegic ever since. And the thing that was admirable, I have another friend who's, um, I guess, a, uh, he can use his hands, so I guess he's a paraplegic, yeah, paraplegic. But um, he suffered an accident actually in downtown Amherst. Um, and he's been, you know, at, at, I don't know, at 20 years old in his 20s. And uh, he, just like this Travis Roy, has been um, such a positive person. And, you know, I think about how I complain, uh, (laughs) you know, with with the slightest little whatever. Um, And, you know, to have that kind of thing happen to you where you're in a wheelchair for the rest of your life, and yet you keep a really positive attitude, I have great admiration. And the whole thing that Travis Roy did, and also my friend Peter does, is that they don't ask people to feel sorry for them, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, so, no, it, you know, 
Travis Roy, it was an inspiration to, you know, thousands probably of, of people who were put in similar situations. And yeah, just an amazing guy. If, if people don't know about this guy's story, definitely read up on it. He did so yeah. much for people with spinal cord injuries, you know, in the yep. 20 something years. And it was interesting too. He sort of had like symmetrical lives before he lived a little bit longer after his accident as he did before right, so he right. it was really see he constantly was talking about that and was very sort of introspective about his own process and it, just a, a fascinating guy and yeah i'm glad you i'm glad you mentioned him all right you know boy it's is that maybe the first sports thing we talked about we're 25 minutes in to our program yep. you know that's, what, that's um, been about it's been about right and hopefully we'll you know this is i'm i'm nervous about tuesday i'm i'm relieved that the that it's finally tuesday, here what's happening tuesday <laughs> well actually nothing for a lot of people like you and i we voted you know, right ago. a long time ago but yeah no it's funny like because there sort of has been a little bit of calm before the storm the last couple of weeks have been relatively quiet compared to other elections even 2016 the the james comey and hillary email things were right. still sort of yeah. brewing you know just days before the election so i think part of it is that the the a lot of people have shifted to mail-in and, and early voting so yeah i think we have a chance of being a hundred million votes cast uh before election day, which is really pretty remarkable. You know, I mean, when you talk about this country and why we are really a good country, it comes down to voting and the right to vote and, you know, and not to be told who to vote to by, and, you know, and to have term limits most places where, you know, people can't rule forever and ever and ever. Um, so, yeah. That's, I think that that's what we need in Congress too, is, you know, even if it's make it, 18 years for senators make them able to be elected reelected twice I, but maybe maybe 12 maybe two terms for senators and three for for representatives i i don't know somehow we've got into the habit of and, and we could transition into sports this way we've gotten into the habit of retreading these same people and then and we look at oh, strom look at strom thurman to- strom thurman could barely put a sentence together when, when he died and was still getting reelected by landslides. But I, but, but are we talking about Tony LaRusso? Is that uh, who we're talking about? One, one of many. We could talk about six. We could talk about Tony. Rehired. We could talk about Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers. And there was another one. So Morey is going to Philly. Morey's going to Philly. Uh, and who's and he did pretty, he did pretty good for Houston. Didn't he? Didn't they? <sighs> I mean, Houston acquired talent and, I know they always fell a little short, but I don't know if they ever made it out of the first round. They were, you know, and it's, it's kind of fitting that he goes to Philly, another team who is going to be a disappointing five seed every year. And so the ceiling for Daryl Morey is here's the thing about Daryl Morey. You talk to anyone in the NBA media, they will tell you how, how good a friend he is, how close they are with him, how, what a great guy he is. And I think, Maybe that's part of his strategy is to ingratiate himself to all these media members, or maybe he's just genuinely the nicest guy on earth. But I feel like he's gotten a huge free pass because he's friends with all these guys in the media. And he really is not, he's made big noise with all these huge trades, but he hasn't won anything. And I don't think I, I, the, the retread thing really does 
drive me nuts. And it's well, especially because it's what kept um, you know basically white male control of almost all you know positions. Um, and you know you need to you know I can't wait until and it's going to be soon till the first female pro basketball coach happens. I think Becky Hammond is up there. There's several uh, women that, that are, you know, yeah, knocking why, on the door. Why, why couldn't she get the Philly job? And I, unless they're just sort of hanging on to her so she can replace Popovich, I don't know why she hasn't gotten more attention for some of these jobs, you know, and there's going to be seven or eight more openings probably in the next year, you know, after this next season. And I, again, I don't hear her name in any of these conversations, and she's not, she's not getting hired. I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand why. And if you look at the in the NFL, which is remarkably the exception, the progressive exception to that, not necessarily with regards to minority rule, right? hiring. The Rooney but, rule. Well, no, right. I was not with regards to minority hiring, yeah. but just with regards right. to bringing in new faces right. to, to coach these teams. And if you look at, you know the Rams had some had success with a young coach there. You've seen this in four or five different places. Kyle Shanahan, who, you know, has yeah. a, has a legacy, but is a young, right. relatively young coach. You know, you see th- these teams in the NFL that have taken chances on a new face have had some success. And obviously it takes more courage to hire, you know, the, the Braves minor league hitting coach than it does to hire Tony LaRusa or, you know, Buck Showalter or whoever, Joe Girardi, whoever, one of these retreads that's going to get another. All right. But now this is, this is, this is slightly different than a retread. Now, um, who was the, see, who was the Houston manager? He just got hired by somebody. Oh Uh, yeah. Uh, Hinch was it? AJ Hinch just got hired by Detroit. Yeah. So that's a retread. Well, this, and this is like, this is like bringing, and it was literally, I heard this was literally 30 minutes after the world series ended. He got a call from Detroit and was on a plane. um, This is like, this is like Michael Vick all over again. These <laughs> people who, who really, you know, I, and again, it's not that he should be out of baseball forever, but maybe don't give him a manager's job the minute he's eligible again. I, it's just. Okay. But here's my question. So the Red Sox um, cut ties with Alex Cora because of his Houston. And maybe I guess because of his Red Sox cheating. I don't know if he cheated for the Red Sox or not. I'm, I'm such a blind fan that I don't really check into that stuff. <laughs> but anyway, he has served his one-year uh, thing, and he's eligible to be hired again. Uh, many in the Boston Globe are kind of pushing or, and questioning whether the Sox will hire uh, uh, Cora again. So, I, so two-part question. Should they is one part. But the other thing is, is brings up the Tampa Bay stuff because we now – the Red Sox are now Tampa Bay North. And so I think that Bloom will probably go outside, of not hire Cora, that he'll hire some sort of more um, unknown Kevin Cash analytics type guy. Well, but, and- so what do you think? So should Cora be rehired by the, by the Red Sox? And then let's, that gets us into Tampa Bay and their disgusting approach to baseball. <laughs> well, I, it's funny. I don't think, you know, I don't think anyone should ever be brought back into a job under those circumstances. So I, I would say no. And there are going to be better candidates out there. Although Cora. Well, Cora was, Cora was awesome. He was really awesome because he identified with the players very personally. He was very accessible to the 
things. He was just, and he was calm. I, he, to me, he was a, a tremendous manager. I think if they're looking forward, though, that's not a move you should make. Right. Bring, bring the guy back. Uh, you know. <laughs> but he was successful too. So I, I you know, it's interesting uh, to say. But so. Tampa Bay did not win the World Series, has never won the World Series like about five other teams. But they certainly had a very successful year. Well, and it's funny, the, the, the way they're geared, it, it led to success during the regular season over the 60 games and would, would have over 162. But the problem is there's no room for, for feel. And for people that aren't quite sure what we're talking about, Tampa Bay is very analytics run. And I really wish Matt were here because I'm sure he was gloating at the fact that, that the analytics driven team basically lost because they relied on analytics in the sixth game of a world series when with made a horrible decision, horrible, horrible decision. And at that point, and so the, and so let's make clear so that, you know, a casual fan who may not know about this. So one of the big, analytics thing is they uh, list the average batting average against a pitcher the first time through the lineup, a batting average against the pitcher the second time that, that they see the pitcher. And then for most pitchers, the third time the batter sees them, the batting averages go up for most things. And that's why baseball has changed so dramatically, you know, pitchers used to go eight innings even if they gave up five runs they went eight innings all the time um and that just doesn't happen anymore right you rarely see pitchers starting pitchers go past six or you know into the well in sometimes the series, into the, seventh, in the playoffs yeah. it was they didn't get to the fifth yeah they were getting pulled in the fourth well and and this guy snell was dominant oh, although his 73 pitchers 73 yeah. pitches that's the um, thing 73 pitches is the pitches, thing yeah. if he if he had, if he was at 110 at that point right then i would have I agreed could, with that. yeah right. but but anyway so he gives up a plus nobody had hit the ball hard against him right he you gave know, he up was, a dink single and then got got pulled and was clearly upset when he got taken out of the game yeah. and this was this yeah. was from the second this decision was made everyone from joe buck and john smoltz to me on my couch to my dog to you know to Everyone who knows anything about baseball could instantly sense that this was the wrong decision. And then, okay. So, right. And it was one to nothing. Tampa Bay was up and this pitcher was just mowing them down. Plus he'd had good success in his previous starts too. So he had a good track record going for him. And what, what I don't get is, so they went out, but why didn't they let him in and just see what happened? What if he, if he gave up a single or a double fine, pull him down. You know, um, he had given up, had he given up a single or a walk? I think it was a single. Yeah, it was a, a little single. Yeah, ground ball but single, like, yeah. wait, till, wait till the second guy gets on base. Now, mm-hmm. if the next guy hits a two-run home run, well, okay, so you made a mistake. But the way he was pitching, that did not seem likely. And what if he just nailed him down in that inning and the next? You know, it, I mean, with his Tampa pitch count, could be playing the seventh game. With his pitch count, he could have finished the game. I mean, he could have easily yeah. gone nine and you know just been barely over a hundred pitches. I you know, and and again, if you can't go by feel in the sixth game of a World Series when yeah. 
you know, we've seen all sorts of craziness in the last couple of games of World Series where the starting pitcher from game six will come back and pitch a couple innings in game seven. You know, you do things, right. because, and especially you're about to have an off season of at least right. three right. or four months right. that he can right. rest his arm if he throws 120 right. pitches. And right. the thing is, all this preparation, all this rest and, and sort of metering of use during the season is so when you get to these moments in it where right. it was on the line you can leave the guy out there it was so obviously dumb from the beginning and i hope you know it's obviously not going to slow the wave of moving towards using data more to make i think the data is helpful the analytics are useful in making the general manager decisions not so much the on-field, on-court, on-ice decisions. I think you know, it's a coach yeah, I agree. with some instincts to handle those things. Yeah, because so analytics, like the, the one, you know, I'm sure we all have things that we dislike. I dislike the shift so much. I wish it wasn't allowed or you only allowed, I don't know. But I, I really wish it wasn't allowed. I, I get it. And, you know, but the thing that is hard is when you watch a baseball game and if you actually have to listen to the announcer, the, they ruin statistics. Statistics are interesting. But to hear that this is the sixth player in history who pitched into the fifth inning on a Thursday and only gave up um, uh, six singles or less well, uh, on a red sock. Know, yeah, right. And was a left-handed, you know, with a short, you know, it's like, come on, you know, we, you know, statistics are, uh, as by announcers, are just brutally overdone. Well, I think yeah. too the screen has gotten a little busy. Also, yeah. you know, yeah. let's 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 stay away from the the strike zone box, which I will yeah. scream about until the cows come home. And okay, so sleep, why what what don't you like about that? It makes the thing look like a video game. It's distracting. It's unnecessary. It's not real. It's not. You see pitches outside the the box called strikes and pitches inside the box called balls. I don't I don't argue with that. I think it's stupid to. Because the thing, the other thing it doesn't show you is, you know, there's a third dimension. I was a baseball umpire for a long time and, you know, rec in college and high school. Yep. You don't, there's a third element of depth where sometimes a pitch crosses the front of the plate at knee height. And by the time it hits the back of the plate, it's in the it's, dirt. It's on the dirt. Yeah. It's still a strike. And I don't know where that, where that plane is, where that vertical plane that the Z axis is on that strike zone that they're drawing. It's obviously not, a three-dimensional box so i don't know if it's in the front of the plate or is it at the the middle where the the it starts to to converge i don't, I don't know where well uh, you know i have to agree i, I hadn't given it much thought because i don't really watch that much baseball especially once the red sox go out i'm, I'm just you know <laughs> as you know i'm a homer but the um yeah you know so and, and i'm thinking tennis too so tennis has a line judge who makes the calls and then when there's a dispute the uh cyclops uh looks at it i don't see why i agree i don't like that thing on the screen get rid of it let the let the umps call it unless you're gonna let a machine call it and then which case there doesn't need to be an ump there which well, i think i think you could still, happen could I think, happen i think you still have the the umpire behind the plate 
I think they have a signaling device in their ear where they get a beep in this ear, it's a ball, beep in this ear, it's a strike. Because you still need someone down there. I think, you know, we talk about keeping, keeping crowds in the stadium, you know, putting up video of crowds in the stadium to make, give things continuity. I think to not have an umpire behind the plate would be – that home plate umpire to, coordinates a lot of other things too besides just calling balls and strikes. They're sort of like the – umpire captain you know for, right for yeah. that game so i think you still would want someone back there you know calling you know indicating balls and strikes it also makes it easier on the the scoreboard operator although i guess they could just have a little console next to them that was making calls but i think i think that you'd have to ha still have that human being on the field even yeah, if they were or maybe hey maybe make it a robot are we there yet with this uh, <laughs> artificial Boston, intelligence? Boston Dynamics it's, it's, have something. Well, you know, that... and it's interesting too because baseball, baseball, you know, was the number one sport. It isn't anymore, but it still has a lot of popularity. And when you think about what it used to be, games went two hours and ten minutes was a long game. Uh, games went an hour and a half a lot. The starting pitcher pitched into the eighth almost every single uh, game, and you know it's. Honestly, I felt it was a little bit more enjoyable game to watch a four or five. When the Red Sox play the Yankees, it's just brutal how slow the games go. It's just like, you know, a nine-inning game that goes over four hours. I, I think it's really, um, you know, and the, and the little attempts they've made to speed up the game uh, have been not that effective. And I, I, I was funny that the, the one of the best games of the season was game five. And like you said, went four hours and 15 minutes, four hours and 12 minutes. There were, I was timing this because I was watching it on DVR and I have the 15 second skip, but right, right. traditionally I've only had to use for football where they huddle up and there's 30 <laughs> seconds between plays and two clicks and you get to the next play. There were Daryl, I'm not kidding you. There were some in between pitches where it was 45 seconds to a minute in between. No, but yeah. I do believe it because the batter, you know, walks out and they were trying to keep the batter from walking out of the box, but they go through their little thing. Yeah. And it then lasted the, about eight minutes. <laughs> and then the, um, the, these catcher puts the signs on the pitcher, shakes them off, shakes them off, asks for a new set of signs, you know? Um, yeah. Baseball. It's funny. It's it's uh, timeless. <laughs> uh, you know, it's kind of interesting because a football game still tends to be three hours, right? The mm -hmm. one o'clock game ends at four, right. you know, unless it goes into overtime. Baseball is another story. Yeah. Well, and and that's you know, it's 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 entirely in in control of the umpires. But I, you know, it's funny. I I pitched in college. Um, I, you know, I pitched in a bunch of old man leagues. I. I work so fast because you can you you I you I don't know why any every every pitcher doesn't work at blazing speed because you're the you're giving the hitter a chance to think along with you and catch up to things right. and adjust right. themselves where if you can just get up there and bang 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 get the right. ball back next pitch because I'm I'm always thinking two or three pitches ahead I know what I'm going to throw right. to a right. batter on any count when he comes up I know what I would throw in any situation, whether the first pitch is a ball or a strike, second pitch, third pitch, whatever. I, I know my strategies. The hitter doesn't know that, and you're just giving them chances to mentally catch up to what you're doing or calm their nerves. No, or that's a very, very done. good point. I think it was a Jim Cott pitched really fast. So a lot yeah, of pitchers yeah. used to really 
just, you know, get the ball back and throw it, get the ball back and throw it. And the innings would be like 30 seconds of pop-up, a ground ball, a strikeout, you know, and one minute later, the, the team's up to bat again. You know, it's like, and those games had more rhythm and kept you more involved. Well, I think part of the problem too is the the complexity of the signaling yeah. now because yeah. pitchers and catchers yeah. don't call their own games; they're they're being called from the dugout, and there's you know there's conversation happening in the dugout between three or four staff members about every pitch, and then there's this elaborate signaling process because the other teams across right. the way with four guys watching those four guys trying to steal their signals, and it's just it it would be it would be nice to move things back. But again, we're getting into right, but, grump, but grumpy old man back in my right, day territory. Right, right, right. Because it's going the other direction. And so Tampa Bay milked analytics <laughs> and, you know, had tremendous success. And when you think of like right now, the games have been over, try, try, see if you could resurrect eight players on the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, they had some guy Meadows who played a little, um, <laughs> You know, who's their cleanup hitter? I, honestly, well, that – I'll butcher his name, but the rookie, Azarena. Azarena, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he had a terrific time. But, yeah. okay, so I, I sort of named two. What, named two more <laughs> hitters on t- Tampa Bay. Yeah, well, <laughs> and actually I can't believe we've we've skimmed over this and it didn't even – it's not even in my notes, but what about this Justin Turner situation too, the, the guy? Now that is – that is unforgivable on – all sorts of levels. And so just give a little background for listeners. So Justin Turner, who was amazing for the great Dodgers. player, had a great series right. and, and, and a tremendous fielder. And my, and my favorite Dodger just for the, has a huge head the of hair. red hair and the giant <laughs> beard and just like, like a seventies. <laughs> can you imagine he's got tobacco? Spit coming down. <laughs> but just a like a, one of those gritty sort of really, yeah. you know, yeah. fun, fun loving players. And he, um, Apparently on Tuesday, so the game six was Wednesday, correct? No, game six was Tuesday. Tuesday morning, Tuesday, he tested po- or got a, an inconclusive COVID test, which I didn't even know was a thing. I thought they were all positive or, or negative. And at that at that moment, you have to. Oh, treat- so wait a minute. So he didn't necessarily test positive. He tested inconclusive in the morning, so they brought him back for another test. So he tested, they, they swabbed them again right before the game, and it took a couple hours for those results to come back. The results came back in the, I think, eighth inning. He was pulled from the game. Oh, So okay. the, the, the eighth okay. inning, they got this test back from the, that morning that now, said he was positive. Now, is this game six or game five? Ga- game six. Yeah, yeah. Game six, okay. So, so, he so was the all, final game. He, yep. he was in the game. So he they pull him out. They take him back. I think they took him into the clubhouse, and then – he reappeared and you know i understand okay so you know like i didn't quite get the whole procedure in a way now that doesn't i felt that that was horrible what he did but if he was on the field and 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 all his teammates were already exposed to him um that makes it not quite as bad as i thought it was in my mind and that, in other words, I thought he, I thought he had sat out the whole game. I, I wasn't clear on the details. So for me, uh, you know, I, I'm all of a sudden not so mad at Mookie. Um, you I, know. I, I don't think, 
everybody probably already has it is the greatest disease mitigation strategy, maybe. But, yeah, but, but I mean, so he had been um, in the clubhouse with these players. For in the dugout, hours, on the field. Four yeah. hours, five hours. Yeah. And then they, he tested positive, was yanked from the game. So then he went back afterwards. You know, uh, he was already... He, so let's say he exposed teammates to COVID. He exposed them in the third inning. Again, he, you know, you can't. And uh, no, I, think, I get your point. I, get I mean, I think point. the amount of, it was disturbing to see the amount of contact he was allowing himself. Right. Even after right. he knew he had, he had tested positive, including with his wife or girlfriend. I don't know who, who that was. Right. That came out on the field with him, but was you know taking team pictures and was hugging other players and had his mask down. It just seemed right blatantly irresponsible. No, I agree. And, yeah. and I'm a, again, I've never won a World Series. I can't. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago about how we all really, really love watching the celebrations when a team wins. And so to <laughs> deny is, him, yeah. to deny him the ability to celebrate with his team, I understand how it's not really our place to do that. But just as a human being, you would hope that, and again, we talked about this with college athletes, how much room to give them and elementary school kids, how much leeway to give them in certain situations. And you can't trust a guy who just won the world series to not physically want to celebrate with his team. So I think, right. But it it probably would have been better if he just walked out on the field waved at his teammates and then turned around and let them celebrate or celebrate from the front row of the bleachers, you know, you have him walk in, you know, if he wants to be in, in, in close contact with his wife, that's, uh, that's, that's his prerogative. That's right. Make, but he, you know, and saying that he was out there for eight innings already endangering people doesn't change the assessment (laughs) of his behavior. Once he knew you know his the his behavior once he knew he had it was not responsible, and I there's talk of a suspension and I wouldn't be surprised I, to and see I it agree. be lengthy. Yeah. You know, half a season, thirty, twenty, yeah. thirty, forty games, which is which is a shame. But no, that's know, the way I, I felt. But I didn't kind of I now see mitigating circumstances. But I do think he should be. Um, uh, so wait a minute now. So what else? Well, he's we also to... he's also a thirty five year old free agent. So you know, yeah, both the, both yeah. the the idea that he, this may be his last his last run, it's certainly probably his last run with his team. But then there's also the well, hey, you're you're out the door, buddy. Why are you why are you have to go kill six of us before you go? You know. So well, let's. It looks like uh, baseball is going to be. We got a uh, eight minutes left. Uh, Baseball is going to be the thing today because we still there's a things a couple things I'd like to bring up which is, um, you know the y- yanking of Snell was sort of the um, opposite of what happened with Pedro in a very famous mm-hmm. Red Sox was the Yankees game I'm uh-huh. not sure who they were playing oh, um, stop it <laughs> just because I have a cloudy memory Joe not because <laughs> I, I I could I could see the game and I could see Grady Little walking out to him and. Pedro was uh, Pedro was phenomenal. I, he because he was such a slight uh, figure, you know, uh, physically, and yet he was so effective, such a great pitcher. And he had had a decent game, and he talked Grady into leaving him in the game, and and I think he was well over a hundred pitches. Um, 
you know, in, in that game. And then, then, and, and he got shelled. Yeah, this was, it's actually the, it was a 2003 uh, game seven of the ALCS. And, oh, yeah. And oh, this was, so it was before the Red Sox actually ever won anything. Yeah. And this was right. the great, the great tragedy that they sort of redeemed themselves for the next year, because if, right. as you, I'm sure very clearly remember 2004. <laughs> Dave equally, Roberts, Dave Roberts. <laughs> equally as legendary, you know, the comeback from down 3-0 yeah. by the Red Sox yeah. and, you know, with well, Dave Roberts, steal of second, the key play. Which you know what, Daryl? Now that I think about it, I'm going to look back at 2004 as the event that opened up this portal to hell that has led to the circumstances. That seems to be where the the fabric of the universe was ripped open. <laughs> Red Sox finally won a World Series. And we can, we can save some time. If we want to torture Matt, we can talk about 2004 next year. But I'm sorry he's not here to talk about 2003 because this was one of the most uh, fun Yankee championships. That really like said, was. Pedro was unhittable, especially right. he was a Yankee killer. And I right. think we were joking before we came on air that this this – decision by cash on tuesday night to yank snell yeah maybe has has gotten grady little off the hook as the dumbest <laughs> although i although littles wasn't in the world series it was game seven of an alcs though right so was that the game that boone won with the home run uh-huh yep yeah Yep. Yeah, and all this weird, yeah. the weird kind of full circling that's come from it, you know, Aaron Boone being back as manager of the Yankees, you know, it's right. There's, there and is, he there, appears to be a pretty good manager, you know, and and say say what I will about baseball, it does seem to have the most sort of poetic elements that, as the other sports. There's are these sort of like, you know, st- st- long long form stories, long themes that stretch throughout baseball. I mean, we're talking about a, a a rivalry that goes back to a sale of a player when our you know when my grandparents were toddlers that has lasted. Oh, are we talking about Babe? Yeah, that lasted. Oh until my God! And, and for anybody who doesn't know that story, it's just so the Red Sox had this horrible owner. I think it was Fra- Frazzy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sold Babe Ruth for a hundred thousand dollars. And you know why? You know why he sold? He sold him because his he was a he, he was a theater producer, right? And his, and he his needed shows, money for his, a musical. His shows were losing money hand hand over fist. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Oh, and you know that one thing changed the history of the Yankees, changed the history of the Red Sox uh, dramatically. And, and it was, you know, we would talk about, it's funny, you know, baseball, no other sport has curses. Baseball has two, has two really famous ones and a lot of lesser famous ones. But the other one, of course, being the, the Billy goat curse, which is among the silliest things you can ever hear. Right. right. I remember exactly the year, but 19, it was 1918. uh, A Cubs fan tried to bring his pet goat into the stadium and the team refused (laughs) him. And he said, I put a curse on you. You'll never win another championship again. And they didn't until it was a 2000. Right. But you know, the thing is the reason that Theo Epstein, who's still pretty young, will be in the Hall of Fame, is he won with the Red Sox, stopping their streak, and he won with the Chicago, yeah, uh, and again, stopping their streak. Just like uh, an epic, you know, in, in the, it could be, you could write a Greek myth about that, 
you know, someone who right. went to two places who had never been victorious in a battle and, and won these grand wars. 2016 was when the Cubs finally won almost a hundred years. Oh no, sorry. A hundred and they won in 1907 and 1908. And, you know, you yeah. talk about, yeah. you talk about the, the, the futility of being a jet fan or a New York Ranger fan. The jets won in 1969, the Rangers won in 1994. So, we're still, you know, and I hate to, I can't believe I just pointed to a 1969 Jet Super Bowl as a thing that I should be holding up. But. Now that was the Joe Namath, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah the jo- and yeah. again, a, a David slaying Goliath, which, right, right. you know, it can happen week to week in the NFL. But, you know, and again, the days of competing leagues, we're not going to see the NFL absorb the you know, USFL or whatever, right, or football right. league or anything. Like um, that. Now we got two minutes left. Ooh, uh, we haven't even talked college football. So is it, what's going to happen? There's been tons of cancellations. Yeah. And you know, Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, is that the name, the quarterback yep. for Clemson yeah, is, is out this playing. week. Although yep. the, you got to watch this guy. They have subbing for him. He's like six, four, 250 pounds can throw the ball 75 yards. This is going to be right. a, well. It's Clemson, you know. Yeah, they, Clemson and Alabama are one but, and two. All the things, but what's interesting is when you look at a top twenty, you know, you got Ohio State one and zero, oh, you know, and look like number yeah. three or four. It's just like um, it's a weird, weird year, uh, especially for Matt, for UMass. <laughs> I, I think they have a second game this weekend, Liberty maybe or something. Yeah, Not and really they sure. and they are yeah. ranked last in the CBS Sports <laughs> rankings. And it, it, it was funny. The guy wrote a funny article about it. he's been doing this, you know, ranking the worst teams for years. And yep. he said the first this was the first time a team went from unranked to worst because they hadn't played, so they had, he didn't have them ranked, didn't have them in the rankings at yeah. all. And then they yeah. then they got blown out by sisters georgia southern yeah yeah georgia southern yeah so um all right so last minute what do we have to say um college is here college College football if you haven't if you haven't voted please go vote even though chances are unless you live in one of about seven states your vote's meaningless but everyone stay safe on tuesday i know it's going to be weird and ugly and Daryl, I will see you on the other side of whatever is going to happen next week. I'm, I'm. Yeah, that's true. It will be interesting. It'll be good to have Matt back. Keep listening. Tune in next week to Sports Plus. And thanks a lot for listening. See you next week. Thanks, everybody.